1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The 3 Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown brew. Well, there was uh, no last-minute shenanigans around here, as uh, we have decided to go forward with this episode. I did not have to offer John a new contract, so I didn't get to change the terms at the last second. Mm-mm, No. Nope. Not that we really have any terms. I ask if he wants to record, and John says yes, and he didn't have to sell a car today, so we're good. So, hey! hey! It, it's and... a,
1: although, in fairness, Joel, we are recording a little bit later than planned, because my oldest son, Max... Almost pulled a CFL's owners on us by just not going (laughs) the bleep to
2: sleep. He's on strike from sleep. Uh,
1: Apparently. Took him to the bouncy castles and everything at a play date with his little buddy Ethan. And I thought, tonight's going to be a breeze, Joel. Eight o'clock. Raptors game finishes. I'm like, all right, we're in.
2: Well, the Raptors almost didn't cooperate either. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no yeah that was also not good um
1: and i'm like okay cruise control raps game is over i'm i'm out in the living room with my youngest my wife comes and switches me roles from putting hanging out with the youngest putting the oldest to bed and uh yeah no that went on for another hour so um there was nearly nearly an ownership like renegotiation on the time but we at the 11th hour or uh at the uh Trying to think military time at the twentieth hour of the day.
2: Here we are. Uh, no, I don't think that's right either. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think it might be that in BC right now. I think we're at oh the...
1: right twenty twenty. 22. <laughs> and I do math for a living. Wow. Well, the machines
2: do the math for you. You just hit print.
1: I, and even the printer barely cooperates with me.
2: Well, that, that's really all printers exist to do now, right? Is just make our lives miserable. Like the places mm-hmm. I worked the printers are just always seemed to be broken and they're never working, yeah like yep. office space was very pathetic it was very like they saw into the future when they destroyed the was it the copy machine or the printer in that one part of the movie It was they very did, it was yeah. very that was very like foreshadowing our lives at this point where this this machinery that used to be so important to us that isn't really anymore because we can do so much digital now just exists yes. to make us miserable. That's really all the no, printer thanks. does now.
1: <laughs> no, no, and you're right. And as a person that still needs to get wet ink on paper, you're absolutely correct. If I was given the opportunity and knew I wouldn't be charged for a new printer, you're absolutely frickin' lutely right. That is the closest I've come to <laughs> dropping that bomb of this podcast. That I would take both my printers out into a field while, damn it, feels good to be a gangster plays and beat it up with a baseball bat.
2: Yeah, that would. One of your printers I remember from when you got us our cars is still like that with that old school like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what followed
1: me from Honda to Nissan? Of course, yeah. And then I left I left in Honda and now everything's done laser in Honda. Ugh.
2: Yeah, well They're just trying to make your life miserable, that's so. all.
1: I, I, I guess so. I guess so. Much like the C B A drama last night.
2: Yeah, that was that was something. I was out last night for a little bit, so I had to do a little uh, catch-up on that today. So I wasn't really too up-to-date on that. When you sent me that text yesterday, I was like, huh? Because I was a little busy with some things, <laughs> but uh, I did eventually catch up. Uh, we, so of course, are going to talk about all the drama that happened on Saturday night in terms of the CBA. And we'll get into kind of a little bit about the, the new CBA in general, what's expected to be the new CBA, and uh, how it turned out for the players. And it didn't look great at first, but it turned out, I think, mm-hmm. pretty well at the end of the day. Uh, we're agree. going to get into uh, our wrong take again, as uh, John Ryan <laughs> has signed with the Riders. Last week uh, I said, well, if it hasn't happened yet, surely it's not going to happen. And then like two days later they signed him. So... If it makes it feel better, <laughs> I said that we'd
1: missed two weeks of training camp last week. And uh, here we are. It's the open day training
2: camp. Yeah, We're all used to your takes being horrifically wrong, though. No, that's fair. That's just a that's So just really, the, the CBA got done because of you. This is the long play by you the whole time, wasn't it?
1: That's absolutely right, <laughs> CFL fans, I am here for you. There's football because of John Fraser.
2: And uh, training camp did open today. Uh, we were discussing a little bit before we hit record as to why do they still start these things on Sundays. But anyway, uh, a little bit of interesting news out of camp today with Manny Arsenault showing up and being a little bit more mm-hmm. than just a spectator, which could be interesting news for the team and the offense to start the season. But before we get to that, we're going to get into uh, the part of the podcast that never lets us down. Yeah. Um, The beer, John, what you got?
1: That's right. My hot takes here are actually usually very good. Um, This one caught my eye the other day, Joel. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is a cerveza style from Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was near Cinco de Mayo. I went and picked up some cans, and uh, Lacey, my wife, is not much uh, of a craft beer person, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the four cans I had purchased uh, were quickly gone from my mini fridge, (laughs) so I had to go back and purchased four more cans, and I cracked one open tonight on a very nice summery day where I spent most of it outdoors, and barbecuing and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, no, it's a perfect – it is a summer beer, and for me, it's perfect for people that, again, may not be super into craft beer, into the, into the tastes and things like that. I just want a very simple, straightforward, easy-drinking beer but you still want to support a great local company, uh, I highly recommend picking it up. Uh, I think it is going to be my go-to, throw a lime on it, uh, sit-on-the-deck kind of beer uh, when I just want, you know, when I just want a beer that's fairly basic. I love, and, and it's a very, very good, when I say fairly basic, I mean basic in a taste profile, but it's clean, it's fresh, refreshing. I imagine it would taste great with lime. I don't have lime, and I refuse compromise with lime juice.
2: Fair enough. Um, yeah, the... I've been told I haven't tried it yet. Apparently, it works really well with clam. If you're, if anyone's uh, a beer and clam kind of person, uh, if you go to the Rebellion Tap Room now, actually, they sell you like a beer cocktail with it. It's like so. There's a uh, Judd. He used to be one of the owners of the Lancaster and the Capital here in Regina. Okay. Yeah. He has branched out on his own and has started a new sort of. Uh, beverage company, I guess we'll call it. He makes, like, mm-hmm. syrups and sauces and sort of stuff, mostly for oh, the liquor cool. industry. So he he's still involved with booze, but now he doesn't have, like, the massive tax and license burden that he would have had before, <laughs> right, which naturally. is cool. So he's made, like, a vegan Caesar mix that they uh, put in the cerveza at Rebellion with all the, like, Caesar trimmings and all that stuff. It's supposed to be that- called, like, a Michelada or something. Probably supposed to be pretty good. So... Yeah, I've been told, yeah, that's a beer that works really well with clam if you're into that. But yeah, easy drinking, just a, a beer, beer. And yeah, I've had a few myself already. And I can tell you, John, you should be on the lookout. They do have them in eight packs as well now, too.
1: Oh, fantastic. So four for Lacey and four for myself.
2: Got it. Yes, if you do feel like dividing it that equally.
1: Um, uh, usually it goes the other way in my house. So <laughs> I'm okay with, with her drinking most of my beer.
2: Right, and uh, for me, uh, yeah, I had a bit of a night last night, so taking it easy with a nice uh, pile of bone session IPA. Just, guys, uh, it should be nice and light tonight. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> what? And I
1: know, I know you're because because again, the number of times you and I text each other, I made this joke at your wedding. The number of times you and I text each other throughout the day is is quite high. Every single day, I love it. It is one of my favorite things about our friendship. Uh, but I know when you don't text me back, I'm like, oh. Joel's getting drunk and doing something
2: super fun tonight. <laughs> I don't know if it was super fun, but yeah, the uh, Highland Games and Celtic Gathering was in downtown Regina yesterday, uh, Pile of Bones was a uh, major sponsor of that, so I was there hawking uh, beer in the afternoon, and then uh, me and the guys uh, stayed out last night at O'Helens and uh, had a few, and I took my first Uber ride home in Regina, so that was... Uh, I guess something to mark down as something that happened in Regina history. I don't know. <laughs> Gr- great success, dude! I'm like
1: half Scottish. My grandfather immigrated when he was a teenager. I feel like I should be there next year.
2: You should. It's actually it's it was actually pretty fun, and they got uh, great beer gardens. Uh, brought in all local beers to sell there, and yeah, you could they we put out a new beer garden kind of in the action of everything, so you can see some of the stuff going on because there's like strongman competitions, there's pipe bands, there's dancing, there's yep. like all kinds of stuff going on that's kind of cool to go along with that. so and, and and damn,
1: I look good in a kilt.
2: Gotta look good in something, I guess. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And something that uh, does look good now is the CFL-CBA, as it all signs, point toward this thing finally getting done after months of uncertainty. And uh, it seemed everything was in the clear, and then uh, it looks like the CFL tried to pull a fast one on the players. And... Man, catching up on that today. If you if you don't really know the whole story, head to 3downnation.com right now. Uh, John Hodge did a nice write-up on sort of, here's the cold mm-hmm. notes of everything that happened on a wild Saturday night in the CFL. If you happen to be at Hamlin's having a few beers, and I'm not sure what was going on in the world with CFL, that was a good spot to kind of catch up on the gist of it. And it just blew my mind. It's like, like why would... why? I just can't wrap my head around why... Out of all the, and it seemed like around like the American player exemption sort of thing. Like, why? I just I just can't understand this like at all.
1: I, it, it was almost like it was the shadiest, crappiest, lamest, stupidest negotiating tactic you could ever come up with. And and you almost wonder if the owners had this up their sleeve. I don't, th- or somebody just planned this up and thought this would be a great idea once the players all arrived to pull a fast one on them and hope that. They either said, oh, OK, well, I'm already here at, 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 at my expense or whatever, or I can't get home because I have to pay out of pocket. And then the CFLPA basically whipped them out, put it on the table and said, we got enough money in the bank to send everybody home. Don't screw us around. So um, I got to say, good on the CFLPA. I don't know if maybe they knew this was coming or that they, they just had a war chest that obviously they didn't need to use because a strike didn't happen. But for basically the CFLPA to whip it out and say, no, you go back to what we agreed to, or we're on strike. And if you read Haji's piece, I I believe it it was either Haji's piece or Haji on Twitter had shared an internal memo amongst blue bomber players that basically said, no, they're going to try to talk to you this morning, make you sign it. Do not show up. We will be outside the stadium this is happening. Like, that's that's how close we got to a full-blown player strike because of an 11th-hour shady, shady move by the CFL. Um, mm-hmm. It's a black mark on these negotiations. And I would say it's an absolute Bush League move by a league that – or an owner or whomever that, that needs to give their head a shake. Like, that is just like, like... – Uh, the unbelievable shadiness of the entire thing I I, I think is maybe being buried in this a little bit like what a crappy move by by the CFL
2: yeah like like, could you imagine in any other like line of work if some employer tried to do that to someone in negotiations like imagine the storm that would create in terms of like labor laws and like labor courts and everything it would just be it would be like national news it'd be huge and and yeah. yeah you know no of course CBA negotiations and sports aren't anywhere near important as in anywhere else really in life. but yeah. it's still a thing and it, it looks makes the league look really really bad and yeah I, yeah I just I don't I don't understand why, why they would even try this like you agreed to this already. if you really didn't like whatever they changed, then figure out a way to have not agreed to that in the first place. Yeah
1: and, and, and you're absolutely right and I mean the owners to me in this CBA, got the uh, although there were several major concessions in favor of the players i mean the mm-hmm. casual observer uh, may see you know may see the salary cap barely moving uh and going oh wow the players got got their lunch handed to them again uh but the owners to me kept the the league kept significant salary cap increases and and kept everything true 100% league revenue or, or league the salary cap being tied to league revenue. So those are two major, major wins that they did get in the CBA for the ownership side. So Mm -hmm. why would you ever try something like this, which was, you know, by all accounts that you and I have had, had to look at the memo sent out to all the players. It's, it's a win, win CBA for both sides. Mm -hmm. Why would you try to pick up an extra win and just poison the waters that much more?
2: Yeah, and it really, it, all this really does, is build the distrust for three years from now, because yeah. you don't don't for, don't forget that you know the union's not going to forget this, and this is going to come back, and they're going to be like, so, do we have an actual agreement this time, or are you going to be assholes yeah. again? Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you're you're ab- you're absolutely right, and and you you made a great point there, It is only a three year deal. That also happens to coincide with the end of one of the league's biggest revenue streams, that being the CFL on TSN deal. Mm -hmm. Now, again, the the memo says they're going to get 20%. Of future broadcasting deals, as per the CBA. Yeah. But what happens if that's a real big number and you got a season looming, and you remember the shady crap that they tried to pull on you the last time, right? Mm-hmm. That number could real easily go up on the EVA tra- on the EVA training cap. No, we don't want twenty; we want thirty, or nobody's showing up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame the players for trying. No. And and I think that's really. And so in, the, in terms of the whole picture of the CBA and what it's going to look like, I know my eyebrows raised the first two because, yeah, the, the number, the talk came out. There was, you know, 50, uh, the minimum salary is going up to 65, which is better than nothing, yep. but it probably still should have gone higher. And the cap's only going up basically 100 grand over the whole three year thing. And you know, yep. I was like, oh, boy, here we go again. And yeah, and those are the two big things that we always look at first because you know, the money is the most important thing usually in all these negotiations. So you thought, well, if the players couldn't make any gains there, where the heck else could they make gains? And yeah. it turns out they basically made gains everywhere else. And yeah. to me, the biggest thing, and yet everything that the players got in this great, you know, the expanded health care, some of the ratio changes, you know, this and that, and all this stuff is great. And But what it really is to me... It's a building stone. It's a pl- it's a platform for future negotiations until the league kind of screwed up a little bit at the end. For saying okay, we can work this out. We have, I think, for the first time, really ever, the players' union has sort of something they can build upon now. Yeah. Because I we, I think a lot of people had in their mind, you know, that the players, you know, they needed a big win. Needed to you know they needed to really increase the cap and get this 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 and this. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It would have been nice if they had if the if the league saw the value in that and agreed and gave the players a heck of a lot more. But no capitalist is going to work that way, so it's not going to happen. It was all all about you set up the platform, you set sort of the formula is there now for the players association if they play it smart over future negotiations to build upon what this one set. Unlike the other ones, which is basically here's an extra few bucks and they signed and they moved on. This actually is new stuff. There's, you know, there's revenue sharing that they can hopefully increase over time. There is yeah. more medical that they can hopefully build on over time. Like, there's these things that are starting now that can hopefully become more and get to the point where this league needs it to be down the road. And I think it was Drew Edwards who wrote the piece that it was actually, you know the players need the league to be successful now in order to really get to where they want to be. Which is true, yeah. and there's, I think that's good for the players because you know everyone's in this together now.
1: Yeah, and, and and I would absolutely agree with that Joel and and the other thing too that, that I think a lot of people are, are glazing over and maybe it's because I, I, I see it often in my line of work uh, doing you know working with credit and finance and things like that is the fact that that the at the owner's expense, these players are going to have open work permits so they can mm-hmm. stay in Canada. Oh, that's huge stay, stay and be a part of the community, um, make additional money doing whatever. I mean mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you, all, all of a sudden you saw a whole bunch of popular Saskatchewan Rough Riders popping up at car dealerships around there or, or doing real estate or insurance sales, right? I mean, it just it seems like a natural kind of thing. Like, well, all the like retired players able... already do it, so... <laughs> well, that's exactly... You're able, you're, <laughs> as a player, you're able to leverage your popularity to a degree. Um, so combine that with the fact that... that, And and again, I've, I've heard two... A couple of different ways that it's going to work. It'll be interesting to see the way that it's actually going to work. But the, uh, the ratio with the veteran player ratio, there's now an incentive for guys to, you know, guys have the open work permits. They can make some extra cash. They now have incentive to stick with a team. You know, it, it looks like this extra eligibility will be granted after three years with the same team, four years in the CFL. You know, guys will have chances to actually... Put put down roots here. You know, Mm. if you can find even a part time job that over the other six months of the season pays you, you know, an extra 30 grand, all of a sudden your minimum salary in the CFL starting next season, you'll make $95,000 in a year. Yeah, you know, between a part time job and a full time job. And then all your guys that are above that, you know, you have an opportunity that you don't have to send. You don't have to send that money back home necessarily.
2: No, you, you have, you know, you, and that's something I, I looked at, you know, kind of saw some people talking about today, made a lot of sense, is now a guy who maybe, the younger guys especially who are coming up from the States who maybe don't really have family roots yet, they can yeah. stay up here, make their, this year, say, 65K, work something in the off season, make another, say, maybe, let's be a little more realistic, maybe make about 10K in the off season, so you make 75 yeah. for the year pre-tax, and you're not going back home and converting it, losing it about half of it right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right, Joel. You can stay everything. You can get paid in Canadian dollars and pay your expenses in Canadian dollars. Um, you know, I, I think the only thing with the open work permits, I wouldn't be surprised to see. A- and good on them if, if a couple big-time corporate partners of the teams, you know, throw a little couple jobs at these guys, you oh, yeah. know, maybe overpay a little bit to keep them in the city, and, you know, a couple of appearance fees for speaking and stuff like that, but I, to me, it's, uh, it's, a, I, it's I a, think... that's
2: a, there's a, I think there's an event, a cop opportunity for a, a loophole there that the, the league will probably have to keep an eye on for future negotiations, because oh, yeah, it is, sure. I mean, it's one thing, you know, it's, I think it's one thing for you, know, it's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with a player going to work for someone who's a major sponsor, but if it's clearly something that's basically been written into the contract that shouldn't be allowed. Like there shouldn't yeah. be all of a sudden, Oh look, um, you know, Ky- Ky- Kyron Moore is now working for Mosaic and he's making, you know, hundred K there. Like, <laughs> yeah, you <know? laughs> no, yeah.
1: you're, you're absolutely right on that one, Joel. Um, it, it, it does look like you're, you uh, summarized it perfectly by saying it is the building blocks. There is the words revenue sharing mm-hmm. in the deal, you know, the, the medical things that the players want covered again and basically incentivizing guys to say, okay, you now have the opportunity to make Canada your home and make an honest go of it, you know, and we're going to protect some of our veteran guys by giving them some eligibility stuff. So yeah. maybe you don't see that glut of guys being cut like we have seen here on the opening day of training <laughs> camp.
2: Oh, I think that's always going to happen. But I think in this case especially it happened because I think some teams were expecting maybe a bit of a bigger bump in the cap and got caught. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Oh, and... abs- absolutely. That's, that's, that's 110% when
1: you saw some <laughs> of these starters being cut from last year and, you know, kind of luxury spots because you might you might be doing some with the ratio and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're gone. Oh, the ratio didn't change. Oh, the cap barely changed. Well then, yeah, some guys giving their walking papers. You could you could feel the decent team with the guys that are out there right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah. And the other, I guess, the other big news, at least at least in terms of the world of Saskatchewan football, was uh, another signing this week, and that was the signing of punter John Ryan. And yes. that got the province talking for obvious reasons. He is one of Saskatchewan's favorite football players, considering his you know, success in the NFL and all that. Yeah, and it had people talking, and it was a big story. And it was probably as you know, John was asked at his presser. You know, you know, no offense to the position, but you know, this kind of hoopla isn't usually reserved for the punter. Yeah, but, I mean that's yeah. the case of John Ryan, given you know his roots, uh, you know, high school here, university here, everything but professional here, basically, and now he gets to do that. And I have a piece filed for three downation. I filed it like a week ago after the signing basically broke. And I know a lot of people are really excited about this and I get why he's a local guy and I get that the team has kind of, you know, ripped that soul out a little bit over the last few yeah. years where there hasn't been those kind of marquee guys, you know, where you had faces and you used to have like, and I'm not saying they should have remained, but, and you know, like yeah. Barry and Durant and Wes and Dressler and John Chick and these guys who, you you know, were basically the face of the franchise for a certain era. And I think you could argue over the last number of last few years that really the face of the franchise is Chris Jones, and that's about it, really. Right? There wasn't the there wasn't the guys that you know there wasn't this, those frontline guys, and so maybe yeah, they need to get a few of those names back in place and rebuild that a little bit. And I I get all that, and I get the marketing opportunities here, and I get the feel-good story, and, you know, all that, you know, hometown hero comes home to kick football, and blah, 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 blah. But I'm not from here, so maybe that's why I I don't have this attachment. I've never been a fan of the team. I don't really care. So I look at it purely from a football ops perspective, and Mm -hmm. I just... I just can't wrap my head around really why this is done at the end of the day, and this is at, you know meant as no disrespect whatsoever to John Ryan, who I will agree in every sort of measurable way is a better punter than Josh Bartel. Yeah. But is it really going to help them win more football games? I would argue no. You know it might you know he might add a few yards. They might ask him to do a little bit more than they asked out of Josh. Sure, but really, is it really going to help them win more football games? I don't think so. All they did was add salary for basically no reason is pretty much how I see it. They they didn't really get, you know, they didn't make the team demonstrably better. They didn't flip mm-hmm. the ratio in the spot. I could see if there was, you know, they had an American and now it's like, okay, we got to go, we need help in our Canadian ratio. So you will bring in John Ryan to flip the ratio, but mm-hmm. Josh Bartel was still counted as a national thanks to the Josh Bartel rule. So he was yes. fine. And so really all you did is I don't know how much Josh made last year. Or he was set to make this year, but yeah, you maybe only added say thirty grand to the cap for basically no reason, because as Justin Junk reported, that John Ryan's now the highest punter, highest paid punter in the CFL, making about a hundred grand. Yeah, and I'm just like, (sighs) okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so mad about it that you know I wrote a piece for it. I disagree with the move, but I'm at the end of the day, okay, it's not going to make them demonstrably worse either, so whatever it's the punter I'm not really gonna get that upset about it but yeah it just all around as a pure football decision it didn't seem like it was a move that had to be made and that's that's just where I fall on it
1: and now you're right it was not a move that had to be made but I if you're able to add to me from a marketing and everything standpoint if you're able to add a guy who who again measurably is better than the other guy and not really add i mean we're talking about half of a minimum player salary to to the cap you know again the riders we all agree they probably have some money to play with, especially after the home run that was the Solomon Elamimian deal. You know, falling in like like what they're paying for him is absolutely unbelievably low in 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 in,
2: in comparison, of course. Well maybe I mean, Mosaic's giving to... him a job now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they knew that was coming. That's right. All of a sudden, you know,
1: marketing intern, Solomon Elamimian. Um I, I don't I don't mind I don't mind the move. I think it's done for the right reason on a lot of Um, For a lot of people Um, The riders are doing it because Again measurably it's a slight upgrade But it does have a slightly higher salary cap You hit the nail on the head Joel With saying that there hasn't been a lot of Even heading into the season There hasn't been a lot of very marketable Recognizable guys and I I think that's Been missing and then that's Again not I'm like you You and I are actually both from Ontario uh, Mm -hmm. Different regions of of the Province but
2: I mean you're essentially uh, from the Manitoba part so
1: well, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I always joke, I'm half Manitoban, but uh, to me, that is one thing you hear in, in Coffee Shop Row, and I think of somebody like my father-in-law, has been a Riders fan his, his entire year, or his entire life parted me, mm-hmm. um, and he bought a new jersey, and he said to me, he's like, I, I for the first time in a while, I don't know who I would get on my jersey, Urban and... Use. Yeah, exactly. And I think I actually think that's what I said. I said former Hilltop Jorgen Hughes. And I, I threw some other names out at him. But I, I think John Ryan gives you a guy, as you said, he's recognizable. People mm-hmm. know who he is. Uh, he's a good marketing play. And and, and, and obviously the, the writers have some cap room. They're not up against it. It's not costing them one of their guys to re-sign. It's just... It's a, it's a luxury ad that the team can afford and fills an off-field niche for the team uh, and, as you said, doesn't make it worse. And I think, unlike maybe some other guys that have come up from the NFL um, to the CFL, he's doing it for the right reasons.
2: Oh, 100%.
1: You know, he's – yeah, and, I mean, he earned a big couple points in my books this morning when uh, he was the first guy on the field for training camp today. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that was, you know, in and out of the NFL for the past couple of years that can kick the hell out of a football, and we all know that. And, you know, I think to me, even to some of the leadership group, and I'm not saying Josh Bartell wouldn't have been one of the first guys out there, but it's not, it's notable when a guy making that kind of coin is one of the first guys out there kicking footballs so to set a good example for some of the younger guys on this team. So uh, I'm I'm with you. It wasn't, it wasn't a necessary move, but I don't... I don't hate it. I don't mind it. I see why they did it. It's a luxury move by a team that can afford it going
2: into this season. I guess that's fair, and like I said, I'm not overly upset about it, because again, we're talking about the punter at the end of the day, and (laughs) it's not really, I mean, it's going to be what it is, and they'll be fine either way. It was interesting to me, though, because the first day of rookie camp, Marie McCormick finally got to ask the question of Craig Dickinson about this, because it probably would have ultimately come down to him of whether they made the change or not, because... He's yep. still the special teams coordinator, that's his role, that's what he knows. So I'm sure Jeremy O'Day took a lot of input from Craig Dickinson on this one as well, But what he thought, why they made the move. And then he starts talking about Josh Bartell not getting downfield well enough and it's something they wanted him to do him to be better at this year, and then you know, they felt if he was uh, in better position and better, you know, tackling at times that they wouldn't have given up the returns they did last year. And I was like, What? We're making a change at punter over tackling? Really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 we're gonna go down that road. We're gonna go down that road. Okay,
1: (laughs) like like, you're right of all the roads to go down you'd think, you know, Super Bowl experience veteran experience played in both leagues overall great human being but you're right to say that it had to do with tackling like. Come on, guys. Get your story a little bit more straight
2: and, uh, here. And, and, and I I actually believe Craig Dickinson. I think it's a weird reason, and I don't know if it's really one that you should be deciding on who your punter is, but Craig Dickinson is such a football nerd and such, like, a special teams guy that I could see that being a big reason why they would want to make the change. I honestly don't know if John <laughs> Ryan is still a good tackler at age 37, but if they feel there's an upgrade there, then okay, I guess. It was just—it caught me so off guard. I was like, whoa.
1: Eddie <laughs> okay. I, I was
2: texting Murray after too. He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I did not expect that answer." And it was like, "Yeah, like, it was it was fascinating." It's fascinating to get actually get like insight into his mind as to why they made this change. I don't necessarily agree, but hey, he was giving what I think was an honest answer on what he thought the reason why the change was made in his mind, at least as a special teams coordinator. So, I, I guess you can't fault him for it. But it was still it was just a really weird answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and No, you're. It's almost, you're right, and I, I have now come around to your way of thinking. An, an answer, that oddball has to come from a place of honesty, you know. Yeah. It, it, it would have been easy to say one of the other lines that I gave. So. Oh, yeah,
2: veteran well, leadership I mean, and blah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm with you. He's enough of a football nerd. I've had some chances to speak with him briefly. Yeah, I get it. He's, I guess his tackling is better.
2: Maybe, which is I, I don't know, and the, I guess you have other options. You can do a lot more trick plays with him. You could line him up at receiver still if you probably wanted to. He might be the best Canadian receiver on the team right now, <laughs> other than the draft picks. Maybe I don't know. We'll see how uh, we'll see how McInnes and company work out, but if they didn't get those draft picks signed uh, yeah you could have made an argument that John might have been pretty good at that z receiver spot too <laughs> it's true guys got guys got hands for a punter and he's big and he's built so
1: <laughs> true also that i i always forget about that yeah you know, i just think of i, I just <laughs> whenever I think punter even with the, watching John Ryan for all these years in and out of, of both leagues yeah. I just I, I just get this flashback to the old like single bar Bobby Cameron like 46 yeah. years old tiny human being you know looked like somebody's dad on the team like I just I, I, I can't grasp my head around the fact that oh yeah no he's a grown ass man who will hurt you when he hits
2: you <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um He probably won't have to play receiver, though, because uh, the depth overall looks like it's getting a little better there. As we mentioned earlier, training camp opened today, and there was a bit of a surprise there today. And Manny Arsenault, is there? not that he was there? I'm sure he would have been there in some capacity, at least, you know, taking it in and, you know, doing meetings and all that sort of stuff, but he actually took to the field, and he wasn't just, you know, one run, like, he took to the field by all accounts, and... That's an interesting twist that I don't think a lot of us expected so early on, because a lot of the talk was that Arsenal probably wasn't going to be ready until the midpoint of the season at some point. Now, he still might not start the season, we don't know. Maybe he's just testing things, we'll see how today goes, kind of thing. But the fact that he's even out there on day one of training camp, whether he opens the season or not, has to be a pretty optimistic sign for him that he's not going to miss maybe as much time as we thought, if any at all.
1: No, no, and I... uh... I'm with you. When you can see a guy r- uh, back on the field just months after an ACL injury like he had, like, like kudos on him. He uh, is obviously some sort of superhuman or mutant or something that he's able to come back that quickly. So, uh, you're you're right, Joel. I, I wouldn't be surprised, especially with the nature of knee injuries, if maybe we don't see him till Even if he participates in all of training camp, I doubt we see him in the preseason games. Might not see him for a couple weeks into the season. But, yeah, no, you're... Like, he was... It was to the point I had completely forgotten <laughs> about signing Arsenault this off season. Like I was, I had checked him out, uh, thought to myself, "Oh yeah, no, you'll see him after." And my, you know how your brain does that sometimes. Yep. Like yep. my brain had just kind of gone, "Oh yeah, he'll be a non-factor." And I mean, your you brain know, forgets about a lot of things. So that's true. Many concussions and too much alcohol. Um, yeah, that. So anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Manny Manny being out quick reminder hey he's here he's the thing he could be good hopefully he's healthy enough to come back season or, uh, come back earlier in the season uh indications are by him being out here in Saskatoon on that Griffith Stadium turf which is not the world's most luxurious turf by any stretch of the imagination no that's a good sign it's a very good sign for many things on the team
2: yeah absolutely and they couldn't come at a better time for Uh, A team that, uh, by all accounts, we believe still needs some help on offense. And I wrote the preview piece for 3 Down Nation for training camp, and we talked about a little bit last week, where the only real question coming into training camp this year was what are they going to do on offense? And by adding a guy like Manny Arsenault, whether he's you know, his usual self or he is 75% of what he used to be still makes him a threat on the field to do something. I don't think anyone is expecting Manny Arsena to come in here and put up 1100 yards or anything like that this year, but he is still, you know, he's still an option on the field and he's still someone that defenses are going to have to take seriously because even because if they don't, even if he's not who he was, an open receiver is going to catch a football. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so so, you're so he's right. a guy that the defenses still have to consider and take seriously when he's out there. Just his mere presence could help Naaman Roosevelt and Karen Moore and Katie Can and all these guys, and just really open up a world of possibilities that maybe wasn't going to be there at the start of the season. And so maybe all of a sudden there could be something more than just William Powell running the football on offense. I I love you bringing up KD
1: Cannon just because that is by far the best name in the CFL bar none, and I'm glad we get to talk about him this season. It's just well, it's impossible to so escape happy. right
2: now because Rob Vanstone is like in love with him, so he's already written a piece about how he could explode this year. So, ah,
1: uh, no, that that's true because again, you know. N- nothing like falling in love with a guy during the first week of training camp. Cause, well, he you know, was, he
2: was he did join the team last year and showed a few signs at times. So um, it's, he's not quite you know new guy with cool name like he's actually been around a little bit. So true. No, I do I because I, I do remember uh, us talking about him on the podcast
1: and then you know me keeping an eye out for him in the following weeks. But it's just I that's how you know football season is back is CFL Twitter and, and CFL scribes are all <laughs> writing about. <laughs> This guy looks fantastic, he looks awesome, and 80% of them are going to be possibly working at your local car dealership within the next couple of weeks.
2: And some of them do, and, and but there are times where they're right, and uh, I can talk about the, the 2013 training camp, we were up mm-hmm. in Saskatoon, um... I remember quite a number of conversations between myself and my coworker at the time, Jamie and I, about how good Tosh Smith looked. And I was like, he's going to have a big year. And sure enough, he did. So, that, that's you know, there, there, I, I... Are, there are those moments where you actually are, where we are right sometimes. And then you just kind of hold on to it forever in hopes in repeating such greatness. And then never really, though, we were all pretty keen on uh, Naaman Roosevelt before uh, in 15, before Corey Chamberlain didn't play him until for no reason he didn't really know and then he got in the lineup and then all of a sudden he started to play well wow what a surprise that was right <laughs> it, 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 it's true but see for that to have
1: happened uh you know i was famous for not watching practice and just bullshitting yes. with everybody around there so i would have had to actually watch practice so uh you know that's why uh maybe maybe i don't expect anything to happen because i was just copying. <laughs> i literally just copied what you and jamie were talking about
2: yeah, it's possible. And I mean I mean I, I mean you do it for like you did it for like two weeks a year. It was so it wasn't like your full time gig, so I get it. <laughs> true. True, true. Lots of strum uh, lots of scrum working. I used to get texts from my buddies whenever I scrum working.
0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.